0: Welcome to First Star Let's Chat, an athletic therapy podcast. I'm your host, James Gardner, certified athletic therapist, certified strength and conditioning specialist, yoga instructor, human being. This platform, for the pros, by the pros, anybody in the performance space, and beyond. Welcome here to share in the stories of professionals, experiences, journeys, learning along the way, It's a platform to connect, to network and to be a part of a community that cares with conversations that matter, experiences that resonate and generate ideas. Thought-provoking, organic dialogue, passionate probes. Brought to you as always by First Star Therapy, Mobility Tape, Epic and Benchmark Athletics. In association with the Canadian Athletic Therapists Association, It's First Star Let's Chat, an athletic therapy podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for being a part of it. We are live and recording for the purposes of saving the world. One conversation at a time. This is First Star Let's Chat, brought to you by First Star Therapy and sponsored by Mobility Tape, the only heat-activated kinesiology tape on the market. Uh, we're going to jump right in here with Jamie Livingston, who's our guest this evening. So gracious to take the time and uh, and what a role model and leader in the field. And uh, we'll go through your bio, let you say hi to everybody, and then uh, we'll, we'll follow your path as, as closely as we can. Uh, and uh, daylight savings, so it's a little bit later for everybody, but, uh, but everybody who's here, really appreciate you taking the time to be here live and everybody picking this up on the archived uh, podcast and uh, YouTube channel. Amazing. This thing continues to grow. And and without a doubt, after this conversation, we'll uh, also do the same. So Jamie's a master of reconditioning, uh, an athletic therapist and strength coach who's been working in the field of human performance for more than 20 years. She's a highly qualified and experienced practitioner who merges her unique abilities uh, in manual therapy and a myriad of effective exercise prescription strategies to eliminate injury issues and improve the overall robustness of her clients. She's also an educator and mentor and loves to see her students thrive. Jamie has trained and rebuilt athletes at every level, including professional athletes, Olympic athletes, and college athletes, as well as highly motivated recreational athletes athletes. She maintains a robust personal clientele of executive athletes and is often called upon to solve difficult issues that clients have been otherwise unable to resolve. She's a dedicated partner, friend, daughter, athlete, and mother, and she loves to inspire people to elevate to places they never thought they could reach. This is session 45, and as it has it, happy belated birthday
1: we just, <laughs> Thank you we just
0: celebrated and uh i think number it,
1: 45 <laughs> number
0: 45 so divine intervention yet again on on this uh on this platform but uh, jamie it's a pleasure having you here and and um i'll let you say hi and then let's jump in and and get this thing rolling
1: hi everybody thanks for being here and thanks for having me james this is going to be fun i've always loved talking about these kinds of things in athletic therapy so uh, looking forward to seeing what we can parse out of
0: my story for you <laughs> yeah no and, and what a story it is i mean you, you talk uh, just through the bio um i'll jump back to like which I think I've told you, but maybe not. So in 2018, I was lucky enough to present as a breakout speaker at the CATA conference. And I think that's where you and I had our first uh, maybe like real person-to-person discussion. And you walked in the room and, and I think Scotty was in the room and, and a couple other therapists that I have the utmost respect for. And uh, I'm a sweaty guy to begin with and I just started sweating bullets. And then you volunteered to be uh, the model. So you volunteered to be on the table for some of the dynamic stuff and some of the movement manual stuff that we were doing. And, uh, I'm not sure if I sweated directly on you, but if I didn't, I was really, really close to it because that was like a, that was kind of an aha moment for me. It was like, these people are in here listening to me, but these are people that I've spent uh, so long listening to. And, uh, it's amazing to know that our community is so open to sharing. And I think once you and I started talking, um, there's a lot of common ground there. And, and I've learned so much from you guys from a distance and, and from you and your story and what you're doing. Um, there that uh, I I just want you to share it with the world and and I think this has tremendous reach for therapists uh, across the globe so um, where did it start for you in terms of your interest in like the therapy and then when did it start to sort of let's call it hybridize and 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 start blurring lines on Mm -hmm. your side so we'll start there and, and let's see where we go.
1: Yeah. Well, now it's so funny when you talk about me turning 45 and stuff like that. And I've been in this for more than 20 years. I'm starting to sound really old. So I don't know (laughs) how much you want me to cover. (laughs)
0: That's that's not really old. Um, Yeah,
1: that's it. So my therapy um, bug, I suppose, came because I was an athlete. Um, I think I really identified it as an athlete in uh, high school. It was kind of one of my safe places. I always say that. I probably wouldn't have survived high school if I hadn't been you know in sport <laughs> so um I ha- was lucky enough in grade 12 so I was in um, Ontario at the time and they still had Ontario academic credits so they had like a grade 13 right and in grade 12 they had this stage fair I forget what the word for it is in English but where you go to do an internship I guess is the word mm-hmm. and um I noticed this one where I could go for physical therapy, and I knew that I wanted to help athletes. Um, I don't think I'd ever really been hurt at the time. I know I had twisted a couple ankles, but I hadn't really been hurt at the time, um, but was just interested in something to that. Originally, it was veterinary medicine, but it was definitely helping an animal of some sort, so it became <laughs> humans, yeah. and um, so I actually did my uh, was it my grade twelve? Yeah, actually, it might have been my grade twelve years. So it must have been in grade eleven, actually, when I went to that job fair, and I signed up to do, which was a half day school, half day work. And I got to work in two places. Um, I got to work at the base hospital. So I'm from Kingston, Ontario, okay. and so I grew up near the base. My father was in the army, um, and so I went to the clinical hospital there, and I worked half of my stage there in the base hospital under a physical therapist there. And then I got to work in the varsity clinic at RMC. Nice. And so I started in the hospital and I finished in the varsity clinic and I said, I would never go back to the hospital. I just want to stay here (laughs) where where all the athletes were. I learned how to tape ankles and do all this cool, fun stuff with exercise. And um, so that was that. So, um, you know, at the time, um, I ended up coming to Quebec, um, at the time, I don't know if it's the same in Ontario now, but you were only because you're from Ontario and there's so many people, you're only allowed to, um, apply to three schools. I don't know if it's still the same. Yeah, I and so I applied to the regular physical schools, right? U of T, Western, Queens. I did not want to stay in Kingston. So Queens was kind of off the <laughs> mark, but it was, you know, if I couldn't get into U of T and Western, I needed an option. <laughs> so, um... But I also applied at McGill. Um, I had been to Montreal, really loved Montreal, loved the idea of Montreal. So um, I didn't actually get into physical therapy. I was on the waiting list. I was like second or third on the waiting list um, to get in at McGill, but I decided I'm gonna go there anyway. So it was a one year where I had to repeat the year. So not only did I have OAC, but then I had to repeat all of my OAC in the first year because Quebec didn't believe that Ontario did enough, I don't know, education or whatever. So I had to go and repeat my year. So. I just went there, and after my first year, um, I went to go for my interview to get into the next year into physical therapy school, and the lady across the the thing was doing the interview with me, and I was kind of like, when do I get to work with athletes? When do I get to? And she's like, well, you have to do your three years of your undergrad, because at the time there wasn't a master's, and every summer you have to do a stash, and it's going to be in a hospital, and da, da, da. And I was like, when do I get to work with athletes? Like, oh, well, you can do two years at- Afterwards, to do your sports physical therapy diploma, and I was just like, "Pardon me, (laughs) no." So I was just so disheartened. I ended up going into anatomy and cell biology for my second year because you had to create some sort of a, a major to follow. Right. And then during that year, you know, funny enough, drunk at a party, a girlfriend of mine that wanted to get into occupational therapy didn't end up getting in there. Got into nutrition and went to another campus out in the East End, or sorry, the West End, and was like, we were just like meeting at a party and I was like are you an OT and she's like no are you in PT I'm like no (laughs) so she was just like oh but had you heard athletic therapy and I was like no
0: so I ended up calling that Monday
1: morning and um, they said well the the deadline was last Friday so you kind of missed it and I was like oh and I'm like but it sounds like everything I want to do and she goes well send me your transcript right and so I sent her the transcript and never really heard anything but a week later she said she called me back and said you're in I said what do you mean I'm in she goes, you're in the program if you want to come. And I was like, I didn't even apply. She's like, yep, but you can come in September if you want to come. Nice. So I went and I just switched and went to Concordia, which is just across town and yeah. uh, started athletic therapy there. Yeah. So um, it was a big surprise understanding there was all of the emergency care stuff that was going to be part of it. I was not expecting that. I was expecting more of the treatment side of things and whatever, right. um, but loved it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I think this like this starting point is always interesting for people because uh, in in all my experience in working at one of the therapy programs is like there's a small percentage or a percentage of students that get into the program that don't really have any idea what athletic therapy is and they kind of weed themselves out or just it's too much time or whatever. But you seem to have obviously like a pretty good idea of where you wanted to go and where you wanted to get there. Um, the emergency care stuff is is pretty heavy early on, right? But uh, but I think for me, and, and, and maybe you can speak to it, is like that lays a pretty good foundation of organizing your thoughts, uh, making sure you have a plan for everything, not panicking when whatever might happen, um, and just really laying a good solid foundation for whatever it is that you're working on, right? I don't know, maybe you could speak to sort of uh, some of the more uh, underlying things other than like, here's how to use an AED, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, my experience, well, first of all, just going to university, my university plan was just, that's what you do after high school. Right. <laughs> I yeah. have no, you know, it was just like, well, I guess I'm going to go to university. I think there was many times in university I was like, oh, I should have done a gap year and done something like that. Cause I had a very adventurous spirit. I think that's why I really wanted to get out of Kingston and go to somewhere like Montreal. It was very multicultural and all the rest of it. But um so I really that was my university was very much like that as well just take it as it comes and this is what I have to do and um you know I was you know like everybody on your podcast they always talk about mentors and stuff and we had really cool people at the time you know I had some of my manual therapy team you know I had like Dave Campbell um you know and a few like Tracy Griffiths you know some of these other people that are still like Tracy's still there um, was a huge lab lab instructor influence with me. And then on the other side on the varsity side, you have Ron Rappel, Scott Livingston, you know, like just these guys that just made it so fun and were really just pros of what they do, but to have fun with it, you could could be an amazing professional, but enjoy yourself. And I think that was when it was really like, okay, wait a second. This isn't just something you do. It's something you can, love and create and craft for yourself so I think that's where I you know I can't say that I when I was in school I was all that gung-ho with okay well you know first June I'm out I'm gonna write my exam and away I'm gonna go like I was still finding my way you Uh know at certain points and whatever and it took me a year and a half to like at the time the hours obviously aren't weren't included in the schooling, so it took me a good year and a half to get all of my clinical and and, and emergency care hours. Right. The 1200, so um, I didn't end up certifying until, like I graduated in 99, so I didn't end up certifying until the end of the year 2000. And at that time you had to write the written, you had to pass the written, and then you could do your practical, and you'd be invited to whether you go do your practical. You couldn't just get it all done in an exam now. Yeah. <laughs> can, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
0: the times yeah. they are changing. Yeah, yeah. My, how they've how they've changed, right? Um, yeah. I think you bring up some really amazing points that I'm sort of. Uh, falling into in my latter stages. Well, I mean, it's late in comparison to the beginning in in the current stages of of where I'm at in my career and and following Mm -hmm. you guys very closely in terms of uh, what you're doing. And and it's not just doing work, you know what I mean? It's, it's living, it's living that work, you know, it, it's, it's living versus doing. And I think that part of it has become uh, that much more paramount in my world. And then I think through COVID and, and all of these things where everybody is checking in a little bit more with the self um, following intuition and following the things that really matter to you um, versus, okay, it's high school and then it's university and then it's university. And then you want to, work in professional sport okay so then you do that and then you just keep going down the line until all of a sudden you get to a point and you either have to make a decision or you have to jump ship or or something like covid comes along and like just blows everything up and you really have Mm -hmm. to check in right so um without getting into covid like uh just yet um i mean it was it was halloween this weekend and that threw a lot of people off because it was like oh man can't trick or treat Did, did you guys have to make any adjustments there how did that go
1: yeah absolutely so yeah. my girl we we're pretty lucky up here in trauma we haven't had a lot of cases and stuff like that we've i guess it's a bit of a bubble right so uh, my daughter's still going to school she's still playing sports she's doing all that kind of stuff and so she went to go see one of her good school friends who she's bubbled with and they did like a scavenger hunt in the backyard and
0: yeah 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 <laughs> yeah no that's is, this is what we do so we have a five-year-old and this is what we did last mm-hmm. night it was just like yeah I mean, I look at it now and it's kind of like kids growing up in this, no, no different, right? Like, he, like he's five. No. He, he doesn't know. He's just like, let me go have a, a trick or treat hunt in my own backyard and light some pumpkins and, and do some coloring. And, and then we're all yeah. set. So, um, but adjusting and adapting is kind of something that you guys do uh, in your world with reconditioning, right? So reconditioning yeah. is amazing. It's, it's more than um, just a, a skill set, right? Like it's overhauling, it's a systemic, systematic approach to, all of the things that you do. So maybe, I don't know if you want to summarize it or just kind of speak to um, reconditioning because uh, it, it's on my radar. I, I still haven't done it, a course, officially, but I feel like in talking mm-hmm. at length with uh, with Scotty and, and and with yourself that um, this really aligns with sort of <clears throat> where I'm going and, and where I'm at. And and eventually, you know, we attempted to get you guys down while we were in the Bahamas to, to come down there. That just didn't quite work out. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, just maybe walk us through reconditioning and, and how that uh how that came to be and what it is now versus what it started out to be
1: yeah so scotty and i both reached this point differently um you know scotty and i clicked it's funny because i've known scotty um since he was a professional has had since gotten married and divorced in the time that i've known him we were really good friends for a good six years before we ever got together and um so we really thought in the same wavelength mm-hmm. um, the funny part about me is i don't like the gym I don't like working out in the gym and you know I profess to know how to make other people work out in the gym through (laughs) reconditioning and stuff but my my into that was because when I went to go work with women's hockey which at the time Concordia was one of the strongest teams in the country and um there was (laughs) they ended up calling me MacGyver if that's, again, a reference to a very old show. I think it was even in syndication when I was young. Um, I would just, I would not necessarily always be prepared, but it was always because the injuries were so strange, right? So you had to make things up as you went along. And so I think um, just sort of working there and and doing all of these kind of funky things, it was just, okay, well, I'm just always, again, going to go with the flow. And that was the injury side of things. But what was interesting was the major injuries that I was having to work with had nothing to do with on ice. And to your point, the athletic therapy, you know, curriculum sets you up very nicely to do all the emergency care stuff. But What about, about all of these crazy chronic things that are happening in the gym or the things that happen in the gym that we don't get to see and they're You know, they're sneaking into the clinic so the coach doesn't know. And they're like, oh, something's wrong with my shoulder. I need you to fix it and don't tell coach because I want to play blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. So I was getting really annoyed that they kept getting hurt in the gym. I'm like, what are you guys doing in the gym? So I had to figure it out. And it, I got really very um, interested in just the movement of it and the, the a, a, approach of how people did it, what their solution sets were for doing the movement. Cause some things just didn't look right. And I, I had never been taught a squat, whatever, but it just, it didn't look right. So I think it was great because I had a fresh set of eyes going in there, understanding how levers and muscles and everything worked and it just didn't look right. So investigating in that way. And then I think with Scotty, you know, he had his own sort of way. And we we both kind of came to this together that why are we just always on a table with somebody doing something when they're out there trying to do these things that are good for their body and getting themselves hurt. Yeah. So I really had to, so I think it was, I think I still had another year. I was able to do my, um, fourth level or my last year level um, CA level course the strength and conditioning course that was there and it brought a lot of stuff together for me about how I would be able to talk the talk with my athletes and how I would be able to go through things and so reconditioning ends up it ended up just becoming that merger kind of between the therapy and the training kind of when you're mid to end stage rehab it's not the drop off the cliff and away you go it's like how do we continue and then to prepare you to get ready to do the things that your trainer coach whatever are going to ask you to do in the gym on the ice on the field that kind of stuff because that was not talked about very much um i think even scotty started the strength and conditioning course at Concordia university it wasn't even on the radar um until he was there and so um what it's morphed to, though, is understanding that it's not, it's not a skill set. And I think when people come to our continuing education course, because most continuing education courses, right, they're skill sets. Yep. You come in, you learn something new, you learn when to apply it, how to assess it, when it goes in, how to reassess, all the rest of it. Ours is the mindset. It's like, what questions aren't we asking? What's the why? Why does somebody have patellar tendonitis? It's not okay to just say, okay, to have patellar tendonitis and then do the protocol that the insurance company will have you do for the patellar tendonitis. Because if I have four people that walk in in a day and they all have patellar tendonitis, I'll bet you that they have four different reasons why they have patellar tendonitis. And if I'm not asking the question as to why it's there, then I'm probably gonna be throwing spaghetti on the wall as to what I'm gonna give them to try and figure it out. And you know, I might be good 50% of the time, but I wanna try and be good 75 to 100% of the time. Uh-huh. So it became this, you know to my sort of like why do those movements not look so good and me having I ended up getting a job as a personal trainer in the gym which is really funny because I hate working here the gym. <laughs> but it became these people became my guinea pigs because I would watch them working out and just saying that doesn't look right why don't we just change this a little bit how does that feel and they'd be like oh it feels much better and you know or they'd come up and say oh I'm doing this and I need to you know get this task done or this accomplished and I'm not getting there what can you help me do and I ended up actually building what was called, I called a body balance program where I would actually assess um, other personal trainer clients of, sorry, other clients of personal trainers that I worked with and give them an assessment and say, look, these are the things that you, areas you should be working on. These are things that are probably going to be a little bit dicey until you build some of this stuff. Why don't you focus on that and away they go. And then they would come back and see me every four to six weeks. And I would do the assessment again and say, okay, this is improved. This is where you need to go. And so that was really my beginning into reconditioning. And so when Scotty wanted to build his high performance center, when he was with the Habs, you know, we were still friendly at the time, but I wasn't, uh, we weren't dating at the time. Uh Um, And uh, a mutual friend just said, look, why don't you, you know, talk with Jamie if you want, because he wanted somebody that could manage it. Right. Well, he wasn't going to be there. And he said, you know, I think she's doing things along the same lines as what you want. And she'd be phenomenal. So we ended up uh, chatting with that.
0: Yeah, no, what an amazing kind of connection. (laughs) And and just to walk us through uh, that, because I think that. In, it, in itself is provides so much it provides so much depth and it also provides so much uh, of the spaces in between. And so like the last three or four or seven or, or 19 weeks, whatever it's been, um, we've really kind of hashed out that that in school, there's a few things that get missed. I mean, it lays great foundations. Um, and I really think it's the continuing education afterwards that really starts to build the glue and, and build the hive. And you can really start to understand like where things are going and, and how to produce the honey, so to speak. But um it- the, the progressive manner or nature of the SNC side of things versus the reactive nature of AT uh, as it's taught, I think in, in school, which I think it has to be because we have to start in those foundations. I mean, there are some elements, um, but then when you stack them together, you find this, this nice hybrid and you start to do the doing right. So it's mm-hmm. no longer this linear assessment, diagnosis, treatment, return to play, like it's non-linear. So you start to understand what goes into those, uh, what goes into that tincture to get people better, right? And, and, and move along. And you bring up so many good points that I, that I want to go back on and just, you know, touch base on, on some of these things. But, but I think figuring it out, I mean, that's it. That's where the love of this game, this profession lies, right? Like we don't have, uh, for me, I've always moved away from the assessment being a means to find the answer the assessment is the means to find the clues, right? That they, the the assessment builds your rehab, the assessment builds your training program, the assessment builds your understanding of the human being in front of you. It's not about getting it right or wrong. It's about taking as much away from it as you can so that you can provide right and get you closer to that i don't know i'm sure you're way above 75 percent. i think you're probably in the 90 (laughs) 90 96 to 100 in terms of what you're working with there but um no it's amazing and so the space that you guys have is something that um you know that a lot of us look up to and that everybody says like oh they're doing exactly what i want to do but it doesn't just happen overnight and it doesn't just happen out of school so um in terms of advising those graduating or those in their sort of purgatory of waiting for the exam or uh, this online world is amazing because you start to see what's coming out and and students who haven't certified yet or are just certified or are putting stuff out in social media and it's great, but at the same time, we sometimes lack context, right? And you guys have a ton of experience and you have a ton of value. And I would recommend, even though I haven't done it yet, I plan on it, uh, reconditioning and and level one and level two and and really building an operational system as opposed to the tips, tricks and all the things that you can take away. So advice for people coming out to sort of navigate and to show us that it's not, uh, uh, when we had Scotty on, he was talking about the red Ferrari, right? So it's not the red Ferrari right out of school. Um, I don't know, you can synopsis however you switch
1: my, my biggest thing I would say is just be curious. And I would say curious in everything from A to Z. Curious about yourself, what you like, what you're passionate about, curious about your clients, what they like to do, what, they, what they're maybe not telling you. The problem there is your clients want to help you so bad to help them that they filter the information. And a lot of times you're not getting the full story. And if you get them talking enough, they will actually tell you what the problem is. I I probably spend my first half an hour, 30, I work with people on an hour. That's where I've gotten to that I prefer that I get somebody for an hour. So I don't see them three times a week, maybe. I see them once for an hour every week. Yeah. But I will spend in my first session with them, even if I've asked them actually to type up a document of like listing, you know, sort of the progression of whatever they're dealing with and the history of staff, whatever, I will still spend 30 to 35 minutes and having them just describe things and asking more questions and it never ends. I'm always going to be asking them questions and always figuring out more. What are you feeling here? What do you think? What, what's going on? That kind of thing. So that I'm not, putting that pressure on myself almost in a way to say, yes, let me take this from you and figure this out and then yeah. let me give it back to you. It's mm-hmm. like, no, let's you know link our elbows and let's be curious here and let's see if we, we can, as a team together, figure this out. And I think the more you can get people to own their status, the better you're gonna be able to have them be more implicated and having them feel more empowered just helps everything be more, you know, apt to, be, to, to, to come out on the right side of things, right? And I think um, that requires tough love sometimes. Yeah. Um, and hence why it's really important to be curious and understand who the people are that you're working with so you can have tough love because some are just gonna need that. They need the, you know, pardon my French, but what the F are you doing? because yeah. this needs to change, because this is the way I see things. And, yeah. you know, if you don't agree with that, that's no problem. This, this is just the way I feel I can work with you. You know, I, I I did a post, I would say it was about five or six months ago, and I said, you know, I fired clients. And people are like, what do you mean you fired clients? I'm like, well, because I think you're not necessarily going to gel with everybody that comes through your door. And when you are curious and, you know, you have somebody that's struggling with, you know, maybe their value system to your value system and, or they're really adamant about getting that pill and I'm not one for giving a pill. So that's, that's okay. It's a decision. And you know, we, we move forward, but I think really, if you are graduating, just be as curious as you can possibly be. And it's not just go out and take every course you possibly can. It's really go out and try what you already know, be curious about how it feels to do what you know, where you're comfortable, where you're uncomfortable. And you know what? If you're doing it right, you're probably more uncomfortable more, more often than not. Um, because it means you're, you're pushing. You're, you're getting to the areas where you're like, oh, I don't know this. I would love to know this. That's great because that gives you more information as to which courses you should be going, which mentors you should be finding. So long story, but I would say be really curious and, and, and be open to that. Whenever information
0: comes back absolutely some some really good stuff and and one one saying that i always like to use and recall in my head is like you know it's oven mitts for some and it's boxing gloves for others you know like you got to te- you got to treat your clients and, and understand the human being in front of you to make a difference and mm-hmm. and i think as you talk about being curious about everything um i would encourage as well to like be wrong and be okay being wrong cuz when you find that humility um that you, and and you don't need to know everything in fact probably being wrong is how you get to the end point uh, a lot quicker anyway either for yourself or, or for the for the people that you're working with and then the empowerment well, I would, yeah yeah go ahead I would
1: even say you know it's not necessarily always being wrong but being comfortable saying i don't know
0: yeah you know, i don't yep. know how, i don't know the
1: number of times i've had somebody sit in front of me and say look i, I really don't know why this is so strong for you or why you're having so much trouble but I do recognize this this and this so if you will let me I would like for us to go after that and then we'll re-review and you know I I firmly believe that if you're working two to three sessions with somebody and you're not seeing a change you need to zig yeah Find, find a new angle like it should not be this perpetual whatever until everybody's you know banging their heads against the wall so I think that curiosity and then to your point that discomfort and being okay with either I don't know or messing up a little bit and having to backtrack is where you learn the most about that client in that specific scenario and what you're going to do the next time you get into a scenario like
0: that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that that integrative space also comes from that, right? Like where you can say, I don't know. uh, But you also have a network of people, I'm sure established that like, if I don't know, I have somebody who I think comes to mind that that like, you should go and see. And and that sort of human centric component of care goes a long way. I mean, I've had this conversation a number of times, even just this past week, when somebody says like, ah, oh, I think this is just hurting. And like, why, why is it hurting? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea why it's hurting and why it just started hurting. Um, if I told you, you know, a whole bunch of lies and then said like here I can fix it and then, then I would be you know what I mean I wouldn't be doing it this I would be doing a disservice not only to myself and my mm-hmm. my practice but but to that athlete so some really good stuff um, in terms of, of how you guys approach uh, so navigating this reconditioning space and sort of this overlapping space uh, where have you found uh, the struggles I mean you guys work right like you guys work together and then you live together uh, so there has to be some separation so we always talk to like pro uh pro therapists and and practitioners who are in the pro space um about how they find their balance so Mm. uh, i'm not a big believer in like life and work balance but more of like how the scales tip and they gotta sway and they gotta drop Mm -hmm. and they gotta raise but um for you personally how do you separate that are you just living it all the time and that's just Mm -hmm. good for you
1: i think um scotty and i are different personalities Mm -hmm. first of all So, um, I always joked when we first sort of got into business together, even though we were dating at the time, um, is he's a big thinker, he thinks in really big steps, like It's not that it's a scarcity of time thing but he really has this like urgency like i'm not going to waste your time you are not going to waste my time we are going to get something done yeah whereas i'm very much more details oriented and i'm like no well we need to watch you know this kind of stuff so i think that's it's always made for really good conversation i think that's why we were good friends for a long time is because we would have a good conversation that way um Mm -hmm. even though we built a business together we would be in the same space together we were rarely together we had our own clients um Scotty would be working on projects I would be working on people it, you know in the beginning Scotty was with the with the habs um when we first started dating and got married etc um, so it was comforting actually in a way that he had somebody that understood exactly what he's gonna have to go through like he had to stay late after a game if he had to go extra an extra day early for a trip you know it's there's not even a need for an explanation. So uh, we always yeah. say that it was really great, That it was the same thing. I come home, he knows exactly what I've been through. Um, so that was always something that was really positive. Uh, and to be fair, you know, and this is, you know, you touched on it a little bit here, and I, I see your want to do this podcast so you can connect people together and get a network, have some understanding, compassion, understand that everybody's human and going through the same things or have been through the same things and we can tap into each other. That's really what we want to get with this reconditioning because when Scotty and I started, you know, our performance facility at the time was high performance. Uh Um, it was nothing for me to go over and tap him on the shoulder and be like, okay, I'm stuck here and I'm I'm kind of not really sure where to go. And you know, he'd be like, oh, well, I might think about doing this. And I'd be like, oh, that's great. I'm not gonna do that, but I thought of something else. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so when we started hiring people and we started having internship students, it was always that way. I mean, yeah. when I, when I said with my internship students, I'm like, I'm never going to answer a question for you. I'm just going to keep asking you questions because when you get out on your own and for everybody that's listening to this, inevitably, most of our positions are on our own hundred percent responsible for everything that's happening. And so yeah. when you get stuck, who do you go to? You don't have anybody to go to. So you got to go to yourself first. And then you got to re-review and say, was that the best thing, right? And so we've always wanted with the reconditioning um, community is the same thing. Like, who can you go to? Who can you ask? Like, we have a Facebook page with a group where you could just go, you know, type in and say, oh, my gosh, I was doing an assessment and I found this. And where do I go with that? What have you guys done? You know, Um, it's so powerful because we lived it. This is what we used to do. And, you know, high performance eventually became premier performance. And it was just such a wonderful way to work where even our clients knew, because at the time we were traveling a lot with some athletes and stuff. So we'd be gone for two, three weeks at a time. And our sort of regular clients, some of the training clients or the reconditioning clients that we were still working with would just lump right over to some of the other clinicians. And it was no problem. Everybody just knew it wasn't your client. It was just the client of the studio. And so... You know, I think that's really important for people to understand is that, you know, if you can tap into those kinds of things and or if you could um, understand that it's there and available and you're not bugging somebody, you're not wasting your time. If in many cases people just want to share and say, Oh my god, don't make the mistake I made.
0: Yeah. Do yeah. this
1: instead, right?
0: Yeah. No, I think it's amazing, and and it's so like it's so crucial and critical, and and this is kind of where this podcast and and sort of COVID uh, allowed this platform to develop, sort of in my own space, was very much like this is a time where we can tap into each other a little bit more and start to ask those questions and have those conversations. And there are so many people that are willing to give their time and their effort to, to do these same things and celebrate from within our profession of athletic therapy, which I don't think is, uh, you know, revealed like the, the the big S on the chest or, or the tires aren't pumped up loud, or big enough or, or often enough. And so this is it where we can celebrate it in, in a sort of a humble way in an integrative space, have conversations between practitioners where, you know, your title after your name doesn't matter, but who you are as a person and what your system is and, and how you go about doing things and conducting your business and, and is fantastic. And those shares allow people to create You know, they allowed them to create their own thought. And this is what I love about what you guys are doing and sort of what I've, I think, stylized myself probably along those same lines is like looking at performance wellness as like a human first approach where like, let's take care of you first. The human being, and then you can start taking care of other people. And once you start to tap into sort of those things, and like you guys are doing, is is that opens the door for creativity. It opens the door to to be curious and follow some of the channels that you've touched on. And uh, it, it's it's a fantastic um, uh, lineup. Again, it's Jamie Livingston on session forty-five of Let's Chat uh, this evening. And reconditioning, reconditioninghq.com uh, is the the website. I encourage everybody out there, no matter your profession, no matter your background. Um, to check out what they're doing because it is um, powerful and all of the things that you started with the mentorships and all the other things I think are are hopefully gaining momentum and will continue to do so through these times and beyond right so you talked about like being able to walk over to Scotty and like tap him on the shoulder this is our virtual shoulder tap for me, this is what this platform is all about is giving uh, the people who are here live the opportunity to listen in, the people who pick this up on archive to say, Oh, I didn't know her before this, but now I feel like I know her and maybe I can reach out to her because I have some similar thoughts, right? And reach out to you through Facebook and through all these other things. So um, I just want to add something yeah. quickly. For yeah, things, no. yeah, um, please. That
1: I think that would be really important that I want to just for especially for anybody that's coming out new, is um, so one thing that really hit me was the things that get you a job and keep you in a job are not necessarily any of the technical skills that you learn uh-huh. and i just want to put it out to the people that are always trying to go and do more courses and get more letters and all the rest of it because that's where they feel they're, they're going to be competitive if that's not where you're going to be competitive you're going to be competitive by those 80 percent of your your soft skills you i mean they shouldn't even be called soft skills, but your ability to work in a team, your ability to have rapport with somebody, to to be humble, to be, to listen well, to be, you know, I'm gonna hire somebody that's resourceful, that's autonomous, that's ask good questions, because I can teach all the skill. But if if so, if you're also not investing in yourself and figuring out who you are, what your strengths are, and your weaknesses are, then you're going to struggle for a little bit. And if you can understand what you can bring in, and also where you're weak in that you're willing to work on, coming into something that's if if I'm hiring, that's the kind of person that I want, I want somebody that's not going to be somebody that I have to micromanage, somebody that's going to be there, and it's going to help push me and challenge me to be the best. And so I think for for, you know, people looking out there, really focus on who you are as a person, what what you love, what you can bring, what's 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 the spark that you're going to bring into a team, whether you get hired in the clinic or, or, or on a team, what what's something that you can do, and I think that's going to be super important, and this is the reason why we have an Empower You program that we started. I know you're doing retreats and stuff with people as well, like uh-huh. learning, learning who you are, uh-huh. you know, to your point. Learning the humanity of your clients starts with learning the humanity of yourself, and then you can understand the humanity of the profession and of your culture right so I just wanted to add that in because I think it's really important um, for anybody listening.
0: Absolutely. And, and everybody who hadn't heard that before, I think should write that down. I mean, my, I was emphatic, emphatically nodding to everything that you're saying. I think this is the most <laughs> crucial thing that we can be doing. And I know a couple other people who were on here live right now, were are doing the same thing. And it's right time, it's right place, but it's recognition of value, not only in yourself, um, but in your place of employment and, and what things look like from that way, right? And finding that individuality and finding that way to, to relate and be relatable. And, uh, we just had like, we were lucky enough to host a a mental health and addiction in sports seminar uh, a week and a half ago. And, and it was so powerful and, and, you know, communication is nonverbal was a big thing that I took away from this. And like, you know, just, just having that ability to listen and to care and to, to, clear, to clear out any biases. And I think that brings it back around full circle to like that assessment. Right. It's like, if I know that every runner that comes in here has shin splints because they're complaining about medial pain when they run around a track, I'm already knocking a whole bunch of things out of my wheelhouse in terms of what I could be helping them with. Right. So, um, Mm Amazing stuff. And and I know I promised you'd be out of here by nine because it's late and it's actually like ten. So uh we'll wrap this thing up here in a minute again. Jamie Livingston is on tonight. First Star Let's Chat brought to you by Mobility Tape, the only heat activated kinesiology tape on the market uh, next week we have paul paputstakis uh, with the national ballet of canada the 15th is dan Chamis, who is with montreal impact formerly with montreal alouette so plenty of experience in the pro space there um, the week of the 22nd uh, will be tim contos of vcu virginia commonwealth university um, we're figuring out a time with him so it won't be sunday but uh, we'll keep everybody posted on that and then the last sunday of november will be dr laurianne hines of york university on here as well so- So Jamie, this has been amazing. I'll let you run. It's been a long day. I know you're coming off a meeting and back to backs. It's never easy to do. Um, And uh, you did fantastic. I mean, like the information you dropped, I'm at uh, in a, in a quick page, uh, a quick, chat, I am over two pages of notes. So you've added to my, uh, my growing stack of notes that will be eventually put into some sort of memoir or something. But uh, this has been amazing. So I'll let you say goodnight and uh, really appreciate it. Anybody who's willing to stay on, uh, please do. I'll I'll give us a couple more minutes after after Jamie goes. But Jamie, uh, it's been great. I look forward to, to more in the future.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for everybody for being here too. and uh anybody can reach out i'm happy to chat with anybody you can reach me on instagram facebook you know, I'm giving myself a number,
0: email, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And, and this is what I love about this platform is everybody's so willing to give and, and so willing to have the conversation. And I think that's another thing for people just coming out, right. Is like, this was not a thing for me when I was coming out of school beyond sort of some of the contacts and some of the things that, uh, um, that I was aware of and everybody's saying thank you. And obviously, um, you're seeing these, but, uh, this has been great. Um, uh, always amazing to chat and, and to have access to, to you and everything that you guys are doing from from an approach and, and just as human beings putting a lot of love and care and, and intuition out into the world and it's being uh, reflected back so uh, Jamie Livingston session 45 first star let's chat thank you so much <laughs> yeah good night
1: good night everybody
0: Thanks again for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this community. Check us out online. Firststartherapy.com That's F-I-R-S-T-A-R therapy.com Or email us with feedback. Consult at firststartherapy.com C-O-N-S-U-L-T at firststartherapy.com Dot com, on Instagram at firststar.therapy and our podcast host at letschat.at. This is First Star Let's Chat and Athletic Therapy Podcast.